0: Thanks Darren. Uh, it's always good to have multiple people ready to w- read the Bible so that's, uh, that's fantastic um, but I no, appreciate your preparation mate. Uh, we're going to uh, continue on from the message that I spoke last week. I had some good chats uh, last week. Uh, people said oh that was really encouraging but I wanted some practical encouragement. What should I do with the message that I've heard. So that's what we're going to try and focus on tonight. I'm going to pray. Before I do, let me remind you that we have Q&A at the end of uh, the, uh, the sermon. And so if you've got a question along the way, please feel free to write it down, um, or um, maybe you've just got a great memory and you'll be able to remember um, by the time we get to the end. Let me pray. Uh, Father, thank you uh, that through your Holy Spirit, you have the ability to challenge and change us thank you, Father, that because you're the author and you're here with us, you are interested to see that happen. So, Father, we ask that through your word and through your spirit that you might prepare us to be the people that you want us to be. Challenge and change us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you, uh, does anybody here still read books? Does anyone read books? Yeah, great. Uh, Does anyone read physical books? Like to actually hold the actual. Yeah, great, good. Um, Does anyone do the electronic thing? A couple of us. Okay, that's good. Um, Has anyone watched. uh, Oh, sorry, we're talking about books. Has anyone read a good book recently? Anyone read a good book? Yep. Yes, Decky, what'd you read? Ice. Ice Monster. Good book? Excellent. Fantastic, Ruby. Harry Potter and what? The Order of the Phoenix." Fantastic. Has someone read anything else? Slightly more adultish? Yes. Uh. Victor's sign in 90 minutes. Fantastic. Uh, if it was a good book, what did you do with that? Did you just go, "Wow, I've just read a good book. Fantastic. Should keep that to myself? Has anyone recommended the good book that they've read to somebody else? Yes. Annabelle? Excellent. That's a perfect example. That's exactly what I'm fishing for. I read it, and then I gave it to my mother. Because, hey, I've got it. You should have it. And this kind of this thing happens. You even did it with your hands. This thing happens. You should have it. I'm going to physically. Has anyone watched a good movie recently? Yep. What have you seen, Owen? Spider-Man Far From Home. It's actually good? That's good. Are you recommending that we should watch it? Oh, yeah, great. Okay, of course, because it's good. So you should watch it. Fantastic. Anyone else? A, a good movie recently? All right. <laughs> Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay, is it any good? Gen- should we watch it? Okay, fantastic. All right. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When we discover something that is genuinely good, okay, uh, we, we tend to share good news freely. We tend to share good news freely. So, so imagine uh, that you just got engaged—if that's you know, I think you've just got engaged—and you, and you keep that entirely to yourself. That's unlikely to happen, isn't it? You'll never believe what I did this weekend, and it doesn't matter that the other person is not really interested to find out. When we have overwhelmingly good news, we just have to tell people. It, it's just something that we naturally want to do and I shared this story across the day but I I did do this I I was speaking to the evening service in fig tree and I opened with what happens when you find a really good surf spot and everyone said you tell no one and I said I said what It was just a spectacular failure to understand surf culture, right? So I said, why? Why is that? They said, well, if you find a great spot to surf, you don't tell anyone because you want to keep it just for yourself. And I went, well, that's really interesting. You're weird, and it's devastating for my illustration. (laughs) Uh, So thank you. But now here's the thing. Naturally, when we find good news, we naturally want to share it. Now last week, uh, we explored three themes. We looked at three themes. Uh, We saw the idea of salvation from hell, and to new life. We looked at these, these three things last week. And, uh, and we were exploring together and trying to think, uh, if Jesus has saved me at extraordinary cost, if Jesus has saved me at extraordinary cost, do you remember the question we asked last week? How much of you does Jesus deserve? How much of you does Jesus deserve? And the answer is, oh, exactly, the answer is all of us. Jesus deserves all of us. And my question is, my question is, do we have anything like good news in what Jesus has done for us? Does that sound like good news? Jesus has saved us from hell for a new life. Does that sound like good news? Good, great, that's going to help us out a lot. It is good news, isn't it, that we've been saved. Well, we think it's brilliant news and we don't want to keep it to ourselves. And so at New Life Anglican Church, our vision is to see new life in Jesus come to every home in Orham Park, And the growing Southwest, for their salvation, for the good of this community and the glory of God. Because we reckon it's so good that we shouldn't keep it to ourselves. But if that's what we believe as a church, the question becomes, how would that actually happen? So what has to happen if the good news has come from this little group of people here? How does it get from here out to there? And that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. So two questions for us to start. The process of it getting out is often called evangelism. And I want you to respond to me tonight, so if you can interact, that'd be great. When I mention the word evangelism, what's the first word that pops into your head? Billy Graham. That is, sure, and, and everybody has done exactly that across three services today. So well done, Janet. I want one word, Billy Graham. Okay, good. Uh, but no, it's fantastic, because he's the man connected with evangelism, isn't he? Uh, so, so Billy Graham, what else pops into your head when I say evangelism? Sharing, preaching, angels. Okay, yeah, okay, very good. Telling the good news. The word sounds like angels. Yeah, thanks, sir. Evangelism, I like it, it's clever, it's good. Someone else, uh, the word that pops into your head when I say evangelism? Mission, good. Now, if I ask you, what's the emotion that pops into your head when I say evangelism. What do you say? Sorry? Nerves. Thank you, Paul, for timidly suggesting that uh, from the middle. Yes, yeah, nerves. Yes. Somebody else. What's the, what's the emotion? Scared. It's, amazing. it's an amazing word. I, I've trained people, I, I spent six years doing this full time. And my summary of the way that Australians respond is when it comes to evangelism, we feel guilty that we're not doing it. We feel scared of doing it, and we feel ill-equipped. We don't know what to do if we had to do it. Guilty, scared, and ill-equipped. Imagine if that was your job description. So my, my job was, I need to encourage people to do evangelism. And their response was, I'm guilty, I'm scared, and I'm ill-equipped. I'm going, wow, I'm on a winner here. Okay, So tonight, I want us to think about that. But before we get to that, I want us to think about the word evangelism. The word evangelism. Where does it come from? What does it mean? Well, hidden in that word is evangel. And evangel is the gospel or the good news. So, evangelism is taking the good news and announcing it to the world. It has this evangel, this gospel in it, and we announce the gospel. That's evangelism. But you often hear, if you've been around churches for a little while, this other word that sounds like it. Yeah? Have you heard this word? Evangelical. And so you go, hang on, what's, what's the difference between these two? Evangelical is the evangel in theology, the gospel in theology. So we're an evangelical church because we believe the Bible is the foundation and the good news of Jesus is the most important message for the world. So evangelical is the theology and evangelism is the activity all around the evangel. Does that make sense? Now, for those of you who've heard those two words, that might be really helpful. And some of you are going, why do we need to hear that? But that, that's okay. I just wanted to let you know evangelism is the activity, and that's what we're talking about tonight. Now, what's the problem? Well, the problem comes down to this. Does anyone know what they are? Brussels sprouts. What I want to see is a show of hands. Who loves Brussels sprouts? Good gracious, hands down. Who doesn't like Brussels sprouts? Okay, all right, this is, a, this is a spectacular, okay? It's an Anglican church, okay? And I want you to know today, I've had multiple people across every service put up two hands in church to say, I really, really don't like Brussels sprouts. So that's incredible, isn't it? Um, now, those of you who like Brussels sprouts, um, can you tell us why? How do you like them? Roasted? Someone said this morning, roasted with bacon. I said, that doesn't count. You could put cardboard with bacon and it would be fine. That is not a redeeming quality of Brussels sprouts. Okay? Now, here's the the thing. If you don't like Brussels sprouts, you cannot understand how anyone likes them. Is that right, church? Right. For those of you who like Brussels sprouts, you're like, they're brilliant. I don't get what your problem is. Is Is that right? Now, that's what evangelism is typically like in the church. There are some weirdos who like evangelism. Put your hand up if you love telling other people about Jesus. Okay, it's you and me, Claire, and Doug. Fantastic. Now, there's some weirdos here. Clearly, there's three of us, okay? And the rest of you go, I don't know who you are. I don't know what weirdness you're into. I can't understand how you can like that, right? But for those of us who love it, we're like, what's your problem? It's the best thing in the world. I want to show you tonight that evangelism shouldn't be for the Brussels sprouts people in church. It should be like ice cream on a sunny day. Who likes ice cream? Okay, fantastic. Does anyone not like an ice cream on a sunny day? Oh my goodness, I've got two of them. Tell, tell me legitimately, you turned down an ice cream. Is that right? Don't like it? Once in a what? My goodness. All right, okay. Well, excluding those weirdos, I want evangelism to be like ice cream on a sunny day. We want to enjoy it. We want it to be something that is good. And uh, God has a plan. God has a plan, regardless of Brussels sprouts or ice cream. God has a plan to help you take that message out to the world around us that needs to hear. Now, we've been playing word association games. When I say the word reconciliation, what comes to mind? What comes to mind when I say the word reconciliation? Yep. Good lad. Fantastic. The painting near the kitchen. Yeah, Owen? Addiction. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, diction- a dictionary. Thank you, Owen. Yes, that's a word association game. So you're going, I think of a dictionary, I'd need to look that word up. Reconciliation is about restoring broken relationships. And famously, um, Kevin Rudd uh, led us in this in, uh, in the first sorry day, but much closer to home, as you reminded us, Ryland, um, we have done some work in this area ourselves. Uh, on the screen there is um, Reverend Michael Duckett, who painted the painting And uh, it's our partnership with MacArthur Indigenous Church. It was us saying, we want to express reconciliation as a church with our Aboriginal brothers and sisters in Campbelltown. Now, Michael, when he was here, Michael Duckett said, the church should be in the reconciliation business. And I want to show you why. Let's have a look at that reading from tonight. Um, In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, and I've got the older version of the text up on the screen, so it might not entirely match up with the one that's in the Bible in front of you. Let's read it together. Therefore, it says in verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I want you to count how many times a variation of reconciliation occurs here. Listen. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. What's your count? Four, that's exactly right. God, in this passage, is in the reconciliation business. He wants to restore sinners to friendship with God, to reconcile that relationship. Was it easy? No, it cost his son on the cross. But he has done it so that we can be friends with God again. So reconciliation, God's in the reconciliation business. Now, when I was a kid, I had a big view of God. I thought God was awesome. And on top of that, we used to watch the nightly news every night. Does anyone watch the news anymore on TV? Shove hands? Yeah, okay, some of you do. And on the the nightly news, there's always the weather, okay? And you always get a picture of the map of Australia and the clouds kind of doing their things. Now, I'm a very visual person. You might have noticed this about me. When I was a little kid, I used to look at the map of Australia, and if there was a cyclone, it was an O, right? It was an O. If there was a big bank of cloud that kind of bent like this, I'm like, that's an L, right? I could see letters in the clouds. That's my weirdness. Now, here's the thing. I, re- I reckon if I was God, and I wanted to get the message out to the world, here's what I'd do. Everyone watches the news, right? So I'd write in clouds across Australia, J-E-S-U-S, right? Yes, yes. And and the whole world would go, Jesus, I saw that on the news last night. And the church would go, oh, we hope you're watching the news last night. We'd like to tell you about Jesus. Fantastic, right? Good plan? Is that what God's going to do? He doesn't do that. God has an alternative plan. Now, the other day we were in Canberra and we went driving down uh, through where all the embassies are in Canberra. And in the embassies, uh, they have an ambassador. And the ambassador's job is to represent their country. And so if Australia has a problem, then we would call in, say, to Syria here, we would call in the Syrian ambassador, and we would say, we have a problem, we need to... And so the Syrian ambassador represents their country. Now, I'm not going to cast aspersions on Syria. Imagine there's an ambassador from no particular country, okay, and they're a drunkard and a liar. What happens if you have an ambassador who's a drunkard and a liar? What's the problem? Yeah, exactly. So if if you're a dodgy ambassador, not just are you an unfortunate person, but you're actually giving me a bad impression of your country. Are you with me? So, so you misrepresent your whole country if you're a bad ambassador. Now, God, I said, doesn't want to write in clouds across Australia. Have a listen to his plan. Are you ready? Have a look at the next verse here in verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him... We might become the righteousness of God. So what's God's plan? His plan is that you will be his ambassadors. You will be his ambassadors. How will the kingdom of God be represented on earth? It's you guys. Congratulations, you just got an upgrade. Get yourself a business card. Ambassador for the kingdom of God. Right? Pretty good, hey? That is an esteemed title. You are ambassadors for the kingdom of God. How fantastic. But I reckon some of you are there and you're going, what? What are you thinking? Good gracious me, God. I'm feeling the crushing weight of being an ambassador for the kingdom of God. How could I presume to speak for Jesus? What would my life do? How would my life represent the kingdom of God on earth? Anyone feeling like that? God, you've made a terrible mistake. i tell you what we've got. We've got three people that we can nominate from the service tonight who we'll put into service as ambassadors for you. I'm happy to take nominations, okay, and we'll go forward like that. Is that what God wants to do? He's crazy, isn't he? He says that you guys are to be his ambassadors. Please, God, not me. God didn't make a mistake. You are incredibly precious and you are to be his ambassador. Well, when is God open for you to be an ambassador? When is God open for you to announce the good news of Jesus? That's, that's absolutely correct. 24 hours a day. Have a look at this beautiful couple of verses at the start of chapter 6. As God's co-workers, Paul writes, isn't that a beautiful phrase? God's co-workers, that's who you are. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favour, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. You see, God wants to kick off evangelism through you. He wants to get started through you. And he is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you go, God, I am up for this job of being an ambassador, but I only work school terms. I pretty much keep nine to five. And uh, look, I know, in fact, probably it's the weekends. I probably can give you two hours on a Sunday, God. Okay? I could be a really solid ambassador for you two hours a day on a Sunday. And so that would get me, what, 52 weeks in a year. I'd give you 104 hours a year, God, to be your ambassador. Except for holidays when I forget about you. Doesn't sound right, does it? God wants us to be his ambassadors all the time. And so we're going to see tonight how we should act in that way. Now, if you look up there on the screen, you can see it says kick off. And this is a little acrostic, okay? And uh, the first word is kamikaze there. Now, I want you to know that some of these words are there because they're exactly the word that I wanted. And some of the words are up there so they can spell kick off. Okay, is that that all right? Full, full, Full disclosure. But this word, okay, this word here, I actually want there. It says in 1 Peter 3:14, do not fear what they fear and do not be intimidated. One of the reasons that we don't act as ambassadors for Jesus, guilty, scared, illiquid, it's scared, isn't it? Now, during the Second World War, the American fleet were coming across the Pacific and the Japanese were trying to stop them by bombing them. Okay? The problem is when you're bombing from a plane and the ships are going all over the place, it's not very easy to hit them. So in a terrible decision, what they decided to do was they decided to fly the bombs all the way to the end point. This was the kamikaze approach. It was so committed to the outcome that it would fly the payload all the way to the end. It was a tragic situation. Now, I took this mindset when I went, uh, went to work. Uh, I wanted to tell the people at work about Jesus. And I found it was actually pretty hard to do. So here's what I did. I made a bargain with God. Now, this is, this is your pastor telling you this is not a good idea, but this is what I did. Okay? What I did was I said, God... I am prepared to be a kamikaze. I will give an honest answer to any question I'm asked if you will clean up the mess. I'll give an honest answer to any question if you'll clean up the mess. And so I started to do this, to answer the questions that were coming. And so the the practical tip here is to answer their questions. And the questions revolved around a conversation that's at the start of the week in every social situation I'm a part of, and a conversation that it's at the end of the week of every social situation that I'm a part of. What are the two conversations in every week that you have? What did you do on the weekend? And what are you doing on the weekend? Right. That's in every social setting I've ever been a part of. Okay. And so the question is, uh, what did you do on the weekend? Now, in order to be a kamikaze, what did I do? Well, I said what I did on Saturday. And then I included what I did on Sunday morning and Sunday evening, and I didn't edit for people. Do, do you know what I mean? So some people might say, oh, I went fishing on, uh, on Saturday morning, and then Sunday afternoon I had a great time with my family. What, what have we done? We've decided, we've edited out church. In this case, it's on Sunday night, I, you, you edit it out, you see. Now what I decided to do was I decided to be honest about what I was doing. See, if I tell people that I went to church, have I Bible-bashed them? If if they just said, what did you do on the weekend, and I told them, I haven't Bible-bashed them, I just told them, didn't I? And what I discovered was something awesome, which is that I could tell anyone that I was a Christian by saying to them, what did you get up to on the weekend? Because unless you are, are an emotional block of cement, right? when I ask you how your weekend was, you are obligated to ask me, How was your weekend? And since I've made my kamikaze principle, I will get to tell you that I went to church and you'll know that I'm a Christian. Are you with me? So, the really difficult, hard thing to do first is to ask someone, Can you do this church? How was your weekend? Do you reckon you can do that? Fantastic. Well, let's see what the next thing is. Uh, The next word is invitational. The first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah. It was such good news. Andrew couldn't keep it to himself. He had to tell Simon. It was the first thing that he did. Now, but imagine, imagine you got really excited, and the first thing you did, I've just met this guy called Tim. Hi, Tim. Can I introduce you to the Messiah that I met today? Sure. He's a weirdo, okay? But we're going to have a great conversation. Now, normally that won't work, right? It won't work. And so what we need to do is we need to build into that conversation. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to be invitational. Not to say, I'd like to invite you to make friends with Jesus as the first thing we do. Get to know people and invite them into your life. If we're to get to know people better, we need to have a relationship that starts outside of the place where we first met people. So we might say to somebody, uh, something like this, do you want to grab some lunch? Now that sounds very religious, doesn't it? What if I told you that so far the most practical things you could do is you could say, what did you get up to the weekend and... Do you want to grab some lunch? Because if we go out and have lunch together and we get to know each other better and I'm working on the kamikaze principle, you will find out that I love Jesus. It'll happen. But not because I'm going out of my way to tell you, but as you ask me, I will bring it in because it's part of my life. Are you with me? So we invite people to lunch, maybe to our home. And by the time you've got there, when you say, I'm going to church on Sunday, do you want to come with me? It's not a freak out moment because they know who you are. Do You see? So we want to be invitational. Here's the third one, consistent. Finish this sentence for me. Christians are a bunch of... That's correct, yes, correct, yes, right, Janet. yes, we're a bunch of hypocrites. But that's what people say, isn't it? Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. What does it mean to be a hypocrite? Say one thing, do another. You're exactly right, Claire. Have a listen to what it says up on the screen here. Do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience... So those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. How could it be that someone would be ashamed of their slander if they were talking about you? What would have to be true of you if they were ashamed of their slander? They would have to be saying something that wasn't true, wouldn't it? So they would have to be saying something that you weren't who you said you were. So what we want to encourage you to do is to live your message. If you're going to be ambassadors for the truth, we need to stop peddling lies and gossip. So one of the decisions I made was I would be a dead end for gossip. So someone said, do you want to know about such and such and what you got up to on the weekend? I'd say, nope. Because here's the thing, if you indulge in gossip, how can you be trusted to handle the truth? I want to encourage you one practical way that you can start your consistent life matching your gospel message with what you do is to stop trading in lies and gossip. Fourth one is knowledgeable. Does anyone know what the scout motto is? Sorry. Correct. Play on for the car. Uh, No, no, fantastic. Good answer. Be prepared. Have a listen to this uh, verse just before the last one in 1 Peter 3, 14 always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have we want you to know your hope what that means is imagine that you take the kamikaze principle you say to someone what happened you know what did you get up to on the weekend they tell you you listened like you actually cared right and then they ask you and you said well i went fishing and hung up with the family and i went to church on sunday night and they go church why do you go to church and you go um, Jesus? Now that would be awkward for you and probably for them as well, but here's the thing. Do you have something to say? If someone's to ask you, why do you go to church, do you have something intelligible to say? Can I ask you as a very practical thing tonight to think about an answer that points to Jesus and speaks of the beauty of what we do? What would you say if someone would to say to you, why do you go to church? I want you to think about what you would say. Be knowledgeable about your hope. Now, uh, has anyone seen one of those medical dramas, or maybe you've been hooked up to one, where they have an ECG, right? ECG, uh, uh, electrocardiogram, something like that. You've got got some sticky things on your thing and some wires, and there's a machine over here that's telling you what their heart's doing. Do you you know what I'm talking about? Nurses, am I roughly in the right? Okay, got it. You've got the idea. Here's the thing. Uh, There's something happening inside me that you can't see that this external thing makes clear. I want to tell you tonight that you have an ECG of your spiritual heart, and it's working right now, right now. Have a look on the screen. It says in Luke 6.45, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart his mouth speaks are you with me your words reveal your heart your words reveal your heart jesus says in matthew 6 21 for where your treasure is there your heart will be also so imagine that i downloaded all your words in the last week i downloaded all your words in the last week and i put them up on a screen and i said how many of these words would speak to your savior and lord And you go, you wouldn't know how many times I I have to say my friend's name because they never listen to me. And I go, all right, all right, all right. Well, take all your deaf friend's names. They're out. And you go, but yeah, but I play sport on the weekend and I have to say safe or run or keepers end or whatever I need to say. That's that's okay. Take all them out. What about my workplace? Yeah, take all them out. What about I talk to you just about the free words that you have, right? That aren't constrained by situation, and I say to you, looking at those words, do they say anything about your Savior? Does your Savior ever turn up in your words? Because what it says here, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Does Jesus ever get a look in? You see, the, the challenge we've got in being open is I need to know, do you love Jesus? Because, that's great, because you're going to be a poor salesman for a product you don't believe in? Do you love Jesus? And if you do, do your words let us know? Do your words let us know? The uh, the, uh, sixth one is friendly, F for friendly. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Uh, Are we people who will look to do good um, maybe when you're mowing the lawn for your mum and dad, yeah, yeah. maybe when you're mowing your lawn for your mum and dad, you think, my goodness, my next-door neighbour's lawn doesn't look really great. I'm going to go and mow their lawn for them. Or maybe you're washing one of the cars and you think, but the other one's looking pretty shabby as well. I'm going I'm to do that. Or, or maybe it's in your workplace uh, with the famous sink that I always talk about, the sink that grows dirty cups. Heard of this one? No one puts them there. And there is a magnificent laminated sign that says, make sure all cups end up in the dishwasher, but no one pays the attention. Yes. What if you were the person who did the thing that no one does? You wash them up. What if as Christians, we said, nobody does that, but I could do it. What if we were known as people who do good around us? What if we were the truly friendly ones? The last one is F for focused prayer. Now there's some police tape up here. What do we use police tape for? What's it for? It's a barrier. Sorry? Keeping people out of Christ, it's a barrier. Now, here's what happens. Sometimes, right, you do the, how was your weekend? They ask you how your weekend was. You tell them, uh, I went to church. And they say, church? Why do you go to church? You tell them, because I delight to gather with the saints in the heavenlies. As an expression. Whatever you say, okay, whatever your great answer is, right? And they go, you're weird. You're one of those stupid Christians. Christians, they come back at you really strongly, right? And you go, oh, my goodness, that was terrifying. What do we do? We pull out the spiritual police tape. And we go, never open that door again, right? I am never going to ever talk to that person. Uh, Do do you know this experience? That was bad. That was really awkward. Here's the police tape, right? And we go, I will never go back to that conversation. I want you to have a look at what Paul prays in Colossians. We're going to do Colossians across this next term. But Have a look with me at Colossians chapter 4 verse 3. Paul says, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message." So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Now, guys, I want you to know that I often pray this prayer when I'm talking with people. So, say I'm sharing the good news of Jesus with somebody and I'm thinking, man, I'm not sure whether they're listening. I'm praying, I'm saying, God, I'm I'm not stopping in the middle of the conversation and going like this, right? Dear God, Please help their heart to be open. I'm not doing that, okay? But, but what I am doing is I'm looking in their eyes. I'm listening. I'm going, Lord Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, open the door of these hearts. Soften them. Prepare them. Yeah? I'm talking to God about them as I'm talking with them. And maybe I've been talking to God before I was with them, but focused prayer is the key. And so we don't just leave the police tape. We say, God, soften their hearts. And we have a particular tool for how we pray here at New Life. It's called our 316441 card. You might think, I'm not sure. I don't have a workplace. Uh, who could I pray for? Well, our 316441 card encourages us to pray for a family member, a friend, a next-door neighbour, and someone we're yet to meet. And we want to pray, God, open the door of their heart. Now, I've got a brilliant story for you. Um, a, a couple in our church in the morning... Um, They had the husband and the wife on their 316441 cards. And they've been praying like crazy for them. They've been invited into their home. They've invited them into their home. Their little girl was invited by their little girl, so little girls, little girls, right, invited to come to our holiday club, right, our kids' day camp. And on the stair right here, this little girl, who was invited by a friend of one of the girls at church, Gave her life to Jesus. Awesome, right? As they're going home in the car, this little girl says to our church mum, she says, I'd really like to come to church. Do you reckon you'd be able to ask my mum and dad if I can come to church with you? She said, I'd love to take you. And anyway, so they dropped her home, and the dad said, Hey, come in for a beer. Said, yep, no problems, we can do that. And then apparently, this little girl is standing in the background going, Have you asked her yet? Like this. How, how brilliant is that, right? Have you asked her yet? Now, here's the thing. What did they do? Not magic. They prayed for people that God has put in their lives and asked that God would open a door. And I am praying with them that the adults in that family will see their daughter going to church and decide to come and check it out for themselves. Why do we pray? We pray for open doors that God may walk through. All right, here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, God, he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. Are you ready to be a speaking ambassador for the living Jesus? You see, if we've got good news, we tend to share it freely. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we might see in Jesus the goodness of the good news. Father, I pray that you'd forgive us where we've been ashamed, where we haven't spoken up. And I ask that tonight you might be challenging and equipping us so that we might speak for you in the places you have us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, I, I tend to get a little bit excited on this topic. Did you notice? Nope, no one noticed, that's good. Uh, If you've got a question, uh, a follow-up, but what about, how could you... uh, I'd love to hear your question, so please, uh, ask away. There generally has to be a sacrificial question to get us started, so if someone's got a Dorothy Dixer... Oh, Carrie's got a Dorothy Dixer, that's fantastic. She's my wife, she's obviously planted, uh, so that's important. Um... I know every person's different, uh, but if you had one of those situations where you have the door slammed in your face and you're telling us not to say, I'm never going back there again, uh, what would be your next sort of baby step to not terrify the person again and bring it up? Like, I think that's, it feels like a shut door. So then how do you possibly bring up church, God, your life again without them doing it again? Yeah. So my, my response to that would be um, I'm not looking for the awesome line. What I'm trying to do is live a godly life. Okay. So if you've had the door really slammed in your face by someone who comes back really strongly on you, I would say the first thing to do is to go, Lord Jesus, help me to live well as an ambassador for your kingdom. Because they are watching you, aren't they? They are watching you like a hawk. Once they've identified that you're one of those weird Christians and they've responded angrily, like you are right in the crosshair. They are focused on you so here's what i'd say live graciously live wisely and when you stuff up live honestly and ask for forgiveness you with me you don't have to live perfectly because we're going to mess up but when you mess up they're watching how you act do you own up for it and do you ask for forgiveness okay so my, my first response would be watch how you live your life secondly i would say let's be really patient Right, if you really love them and you've felt this big rejection, you're looking, how do I get back? How do I get back? How do I. Get? And so in your brain, there's a little wheel turning over so quickly. And I just say, oh, just chill. Just go about living your life and pray continually, God, show me the open door that you're preparing for me. And what might that look like? That might look like them saying uh, a, a, a comment like, um, um, I was going to come back to watch you get up on the weekend, but we probably wouldn't be doing that. Um, but they might they might have a comment about something that's going on in the news or something. And uh, and you think, you know, uh, there's there's something I could say about that to do with my faith. Would you be interested in knowing about that? I'd actually come back really tentatively. I'd ask questions and I'd say, would you like to know? I've, I've got something to say on that from my worldview. Do, do you want to hear what that is? And they, I'm really happy for them to say no, because I'm not going to force that. I'm going to give them an invitation and I'm going to live as best as I can as an ambassador for Jesus. Does that make sense? And just be really patient, I think. Yeah, great. Someone else? Yeah, Paul. Sorry, mate, we'll just wait for the mic so we can hear it. Uh, Question back to the reading. Mm. Um, Corinthians chapter 5 verses 11 through to 13. Yeah, I've been trying to unpack that in my mind as to what it means in terms of um, what we are is plain to God and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. That's relatively straightforward in my mind because what we are in ourselves should be what we are to God. What I'm struggling with is that we are not trying to commend ourselves to you again but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen yeah. rather than what is in the heart. It's a great question, uh, Paul, and it uh, goes to the heart of what 2 Corinthians is on about. Uh, 2 Corinthians is a letter, the second letter written to the church in Corinth. And in Corinth, what's happened is there have been a whole bunch of orators, people who speak for a living. I was reading something about this the other day, and they were saying they, they, they used to... Uh, I was going to say ponce about. That's not quite the right thing. They they were full of themselves, Okay, to the point where what they used to do... It, it, um, the, the, the comment was in one of these ancient things was shaved-legged dandies in curled hair. Okay, so to be, a, to be an orator in this time, right, was to be over-the-top concerned with your appearance, over-the-top concerned with flowery words, make sure your hair's right, put rouge on your cheeks, shave your legs. You, that's what it looks like. Now, Paul was a leather-working Jew, okay? He didn't look great. He had an unglorious profession, and he spoke about a crucified God. Okay, so in that environment, right, if you're a new convert, You look at all the people who are supposed to be wise in the world, and they're pretty and smart and have beautiful language. And in response, Paul is ordinary and maybe not particularly eloquent, but you look at him and you go, you're nothing I'm aspiring to. So when he says here, I want you to take pride in us, what he's saying is, I want you to take pride in what's true and real and beautiful. I'm holding out the offer of forgiveness in Jesus, and I'm doing it in ordinary words that you can understand. These people are spouting out mysteries, and they look pretty, but they're sending you to hell. He says, I want to give you the opportunity to take pride in me. Look again at the truth of my message. We're going to appear to be out of our minds in this world. But if you listen, you'll hear the truth that saves you. Does that make sense? Awesome. That's a great question. Yeah, someone else. Yeah, Claire. Um, I was in hospital for six years and I converted everyone into becoming a Christian, but I find it hard to convert people from different religions. It's a great question, Claire. Um, I think uh, it's interesting for me, whenever someone like a Jehovah's Witness turns up on my door, um, I often think to myself, uh, they're, they're standing there, why are they on the doorstep? What do they want to do? What do I want to do? Convert them, right? They want to convert me. I want to convert them. It's like like this. If you meet someone who's passionate about their religion, I think going, I'm going to force your hand on the doorstep to change your mind, how likely are you to change your mind? Not very likely. So here's what I'd say. Doorstop conversion opportunities are very rare. We want to be living in relationship. We want to take our time. We want to connect, care, communicate, and lead people to commit to Jesus as King. So my response would be, converting people from other religions, don't see them primarily as other religions, slow down and love them as people and we'll get to know each other and that's the context for sharing the good news. Thank you, that's really good. Um, so we want to slow down and wait for God to do his work. Uh, okay, um, I'm going to stop there and you can come see me at um, supper if you've got more questions. But thank you, Michael. I'm going to hand-